So yesterday we were busy with the talking about this Mishnah and the conversation between Hananya and the Chachamim is Shehia is leaving something on the fire before Shabbos, even if the fire was not yet, um, even if the fire was not either uh, coals removed or the ashes placed upon the fire before Shabbos. Is it permitted to do so if it's one third of the way cooked before Shabbos? And we said that according to Hananya it is, and according to the Chachamim it's not. Unless, unless you actually put the coals, unless you did something to the coals to make it that it's not your typical fire before Shabbos. If you didn't do that, you would not be permitted to put it up unless it was all the way cooked before Shabbos. We keep that in mind because we're going to be going again and again through that conversation today. So we are on 37A, and we are, we are 10 lines down. So we're trying to figure out, is our Mishnah the opinion of the Chachamim or the opinion of Hananya? So we're going to try to bring a proof. The only thing that the Mishnah is referring to is when it's talking about putting something on top of the fire. But if you want to actually put something inside the fire, right? So the way the, the, way the uh, ovens worked is they had a, a slot where you could put the food on top of it or you could actually suspend it on the inside of the fire. So if you wanted to get really hot, you would suspend it down below where we get quite a bit hotter. So Rechalbe says, the Mishnah's halacha is only referring to a case of where you're putting it on top, but not referring to a case where you actually stuck it inside the fire. What's the proof from there to our question? Proof is like this. If we understand that when you're allowed to put it on, we're referring to, if our mission is always referring to returning it to the fire. In other words, according to the opinion, uh, we said yesterday, according to the opinion of Hananya, the way to understand our Mishnah, the way to understand our Mishnah is that we're talking about a case of, question had arisen, are you permitted to put something on a fire, return it to a fire on Shabbos itself, according to Hananya? But there's no question about leaving it on a fire before Shabbos. If you want to leave something on the fire before Shabbos, as long as it's one-third of the way cooked before Shabbos, you're permitted to leave it on the fire even without any modifications taken to the fire. So if that's how you understand, and then the Mishnah is going according to the opinion of Hananya, then the Mishnah, when it has this conversation about needing to make these modifications to the fire, must be referring to needing to make modifications to the fire for the purposes of Chazara, for the purposes of returning something to the fire on Shabbos. Now, this Amora explains that the Mishnah is referring to a case of where you're putting it on top of it. But if to put it on the inside of the fire, that, of course, would still be forbidden. Now, if we say that our whole Mishnah is always referring to a case of returning something to a fire on Shabbos, then it makes sense to say that we're going to differentiate between the case of putting it on top of the fire and putting it inside the fire. But if we're saying that the Mishnah is not like Hananiah, it's like the Chachamim, and the conversation in the Mishnah is, are you permitted to leave something on the fire before Shabbos without putting on a blech? And the Mishnah says, no, you're not permitted to do that. And even when you are permitted to do that, once you put the blech on, once you put the reminder on the, the flames to make it that it's not your typical fire, you still would only be permitted to put on water according to Mishnah, according to Mishnah, you'd be permitted to put on everything. If that would be true, then mali toicha, mali al-gaba. Why would there be any difference drawn? If it's forbidden to put things on a fire before Shabbos, right? 
So why would it be any different in terms of what you'd be permitted to do once you actually put the reminder, once you put the, the modification onto the fire, why would we differentiate between putting something on top of the fire or putting something inside the fire? If we're only talking about doing something before Shabbos, what's the difference? Why would I think that there's any difference between the two? Why would Rav say that you're only permitted to put it on top of the fire, but not permitted to put it inside the actual stove? Who said that Rav is talking about the beginning of the Mishnah when he said that there's a differentiation to be drawn between a case of where you put it on top or a case of where you put it inside the actual stove? He's talking about the end of the Mishnah. This is what he's talking about. He's saying like this. Rav says you're permitted to return it to the fire on Shabbos. That which Basil says you're permitted to return it to the fire, that's only talking about when you're returning it on top of the stove. But to put it on the inside of the fire on Shabbos, that is still forbidden. Why would we differentiate between putting it on the inside of the fire, inside of the oven on Shabbos, and putting it just on top of the oven? So presumably the answer is that, generally speaking, when people put something inside an oven, it is <coughs> always for the purposes of actually cooking from the beginning. People, if they want to reheat things, normally they just put it on top of the fire. So Rechalvei says that even if you're permitted to return things to a fire on Shabbos, you're not permitted to return things to the actual inside of the oven because that is way more likely to be Mexican mabasha, way more likely to look like you're doing an action of cooking for the first time on Shabbos. Okay. So um, so, so that would be one proof. So the Gemara tried to bring a proof that perhaps this, the, the fact that Rav said that the Mishnah is only referring to a case where you put it on top and not inside, maybe that's a proof that we hold like Hananya. And the whole Mishnah's conversation is a conversation about returning. And said, no, even if you say the Mishnah is like the Chachamim and the beginning of the Mishnah is referring to leaving it there before Shabbos, maybe Rav qualification that you're not permitted to stick it back inside the fire is only referring to the end of the Mishnah when we have a conversation are you permitted to put it return something to a fire, Chalva said that whole conversation only would apply to return something to a fire on top of the fire, on top of the, on top of the, um, top of the oven, but not to the inside of the oven. Okay, so that's not a proof one way or the other. Tashima, <coughs> a new proof. You have two kiras that are attached to each other. So a kira is this, is this oven that is uh, set up like this, and it's like wider on the bottom, narrower on top, and the bottom of the oven has poles. So you have these two kiras, but there are actually two of them that are side by side, with the wall, they're sharing a wall in between these two ovens. Now, the bottom of one of them, either the coals were removed or the coals were covered with ashes. The bottom of the other one, they were not at all. Nothing, nothing was used to change it at all. It still has an, a regular fire on the bottom of the other one. So here's the halacha. You are permitted to put food on top of the kira that the fire is not garif and katsum. I'm sorry, is garif and katsum. Is either garif or katsum. Is either the coals are removed or the coals are covered with ashes. You are not permitted to put it on top of the other stove in which the fire has not, no modifications done to it. What are you permitted to, to put on top of this fire? Before Shabbos. Shabbos says you're not permitted to put anything. Shabbos says you're permitted to put hot water. But not food. Akar, but if you lifted it off the fire, but if you lifted it off the fire, everybody would agree you could not return it to the fire on Shabbos. This is the opinion of our mayor. So basically what we're going to do now is, I guess this really explain what, what Bryce's proof is going to be. <coughs> we're going to try to bring a proof from a Bryce in which we have a Machlekes, a mayor, and Rebbe Yehuda, 
about the opinions of Beishama and Beishelel in Abraisa. And we're going to try to say, well, based on this Machlekes, the mayor and Rabbi Huda about the opinions of Beishama and Beishelel in Abraisa, we can try to figure out from here who is the author of our Mishnah. Okay? So, in the opinion of a mayor right now, we said that Beishelel holds the only thing that you're ever permitted to be masha, to leave on a fire before Shabbos, is hot water, but nothing more than that. In the opinion of Beishama, you're not ever permitted to leave anything on a fire even before Shabbos. Right, unless it was actually, um, unless it was actually uh, unless it was, um, unless it was, unless the coals were removed or the or they they were covered in ashes, um, and everybody agrees that you cannot return anything to a fire. That's the words of Remer. Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Huda says, you're only permitted to leave on the fire before Shabbos at water, but not food, not food that's cooking. Beisel says you're permitted to put on either water or food before Shabbos. Leave it on the fire before Shabbos. Beisel says you're allowed to take it off. You're not allowed to put it back. Beisel says you're even allowed to return it to the fire. Now, if our Mishnah is referring to a case of leaving something on the fire before Shabbos, who is the author of our Mishnah? It's the opinion of Rabbi Huda. Rabbi Huda was the one who was more lenient. And Rabbi Huda said that Beis Hillel says you're allowed to leave anything on a fire before Shabbos. Beis Shammai say you're only allowed to leave hot water, but nothing else. Now, but if our Mishnah is really the opinion of Hananya, who's our Mishnah? Our Mishnah is not going to be the opinion of Rabbi Huda, and it's not going to be the opinion of Rameir. Why? Because if it's Rameir, Beis Shammai isn't going to work in our Mishnah, and Beisel is not going to work in our Mishnah. The mayor said that according to Beisel, you're not permitted to return things to the fire at all. And according to Beisham, you're also not permitted to return things to the fire. And even according to Beisham, you're not even permitted to leave it on the fire before Shabbos. So Beisham is going to be strange that Beisham in our Mishnah says you're permitted to leave hot water on the fire before Shabbos. The mayor says Beisham does not permit that. And Beisel is going to be strange because in our Mishnah, Beisel permits you to put hot water and cook food. Remeir says only hot water, not cooked food, in the opinion of Beis Hillel. And also, in our Mishnah, Beis Hillel permits you to return things to the fires. And Remeir's version, he does not permit you to return things to the fires. So it cannot possibly be Remeir if we're going with the opinion of Hanani in our Mishnah, that our Mishnah's thrust is to deal with the case of returning something to a fire. It's not going to work with the opinion of Remeir. Now, Yehuda, if it's going to be the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda, it's also not going to work. Why? Kasha, Grufa, Ukatuma. There's going to be a question. Grufa, Ukatuma. The case of where you have Garufukatum, what's strange about that? What's strange about that is that according to Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda says that if it's Garufukatum, Rabbi Yehuda's opinion was, second, oh, okay, yeah. So according to According to the opinion of Rabbi Huda, that he says that in our Mishnah. Okay, very good. Okay, so according to Rabbi Huda, it's going to be strange because according to Rabbi Huda, our Mishnah says, according to Rabbi Huda, you're not permitted to leave anything on a fire that is not blank, that, that has nothing, no modifications done to the fire before Shabbos. But according to our Mishnah, according to Beis Hillel, you would be permitted to leave, to leave, um, to leave water on a fire that was not, nothing was done to it before Shabbos, right? So Rabbi Huda can't be our Mishnah, can't be the author of our Mishnah, and Rameir can't be the author of our Mishnah. Now, the Gemara is trying to figure out which 
other Tana could be the author of our Mishnah that would still work with Hananya. In other words, what's so strange? Why don't we just say the author of our Mishnah is Hananya? It's not Rabbi Yudah and it's not Rameir. Why does the why does the Mishnah why does the Gemara need a, has a push to figure out who is the anonymous author of our Mishnah who's not Hananya but can still work with Hananya? So I think the Gemara is just trying to find another position who actually agrees to the opinion of Hananya, and then we could ascribe the anonymous Mishnah to that other person who agrees to Hananya. We'd rather do that than be forced to say that our Mishnah is Hananya, and the only person who would hold of our Mishnah it would be Hananya's opinion then. So, what you have to say is like this. Our Mishnah is referring to Lahachsir Tanan. Our Mishnah is, the, is indeed the opinion of Hananya. And referring to, are you permitted to leave it on, to return it to the fire? Everybody agrees you're permitted to put it on the fire before shops. The question is, are you permitted to return it? The author of our Mishnah <coughs> argues on Rabbi Yehuda in the Braisa on one point and agrees to Rabbi Yehuda in the Braisa on another point. What does he agree to? He agrees to Rabbi Yehuda that if it is hot water or hot food, you're permitted to leave it on the fire before Shabbos. And he also agrees that you're permitted to take it and return it. And he argues in one thing. The author of our Mishnah held that you're allowed to leave it on the fire before Shabbos as long as it's one-third cooked, even if it is not garifikatim, even if no modifications are done to the fire. Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda held that even according to Basil, if no modification was done to the to the oven, then you're not permitted to leave anything on before Shabbos. Rehuda's opinion is that even by Lisha, it's even to leave something on the fire before Shabbos, you're going to have to leave it on the fire, if, but you're only permitted to leave it on the fire if, if it's one-third cooked, if the fire was modified. But if it wasn't modified, you're not permitted to leave it. So there's no proof from there either. Now the Gemara asks a question. What's the halacha about putting something next to a fire that there's an open fire, but there's a wall in between the open fire and the food, right? So up until now, we've been talking about putting something on top of a fire in which you either took the coals out or you covered over the coals with ashes. What about where you have a fire, like it's very hot, you know, their kira type of thing, their pottery thing that they heated up the bottom of it, right? And putting something on the opposite side, on the outside wall of it, where it's going to get very hot, but not directly exposed to the fire. Is that a abnormal way of cooking and therefore you're permitted to do that? without being concerned that someone's going to come to stoke it? Or do we say that even there, there's a concern that people will come to stoke it? So the Gemara says like this. You're permitted to put something next to the fire. Do we say that only to put something inside the, uh, inside the actual oven or on top of it is forbidden as to do so? But to put something on the opposite side of it or just close to the fire, and indeed, that is permitted to do so. Or do we say Or do we say there's no differentiation at all? And both of them are forbidden. Where it says, Tashima, let's bring a proof. Bring some proof from the same Brisa that we just quoted. You have two different ovens. One of them, and they're right next to each other. It's just shearing a third wall, right? So then one of them has, one of them, the, the fire was taken care of and modified. And one of them, nothing happened to the fire yet. You're permitted to put the food onto the fire that the onto the oven in which the fire was modified. And even though what's going to end up happening is the fire from the from the stove next to it is going to end up putting some some level of heat into this other one. So what's going to that should be a proof there the fact that you're permitted to put it on top of the next door stove that you're permitted to put something right next to a fire as long as there's a wall separating it. Mara says, Dilma Shani Hasim, the Kiban Dit Medalia, 
The Gemara says maybe it's different over there because <coughs> you put the you put the food on top of the stove next to it, but you put it higher up off the ground, right? So the, the fire, the heat of the flame has to travel through the walls and travel up to wherever the bottom of the pot is sitting. Whereas the case that we're really asking about is the case where you have the food right on the other side of the wall. So maybe that's a little bit closer to the heat source, and maybe that would still not be permitted. And maybe the only reason why it's permitted in that case is because the heat source is separated both horizontally and vertically. Let's say you have uh, covered the fire with these um, with ashes, right? And then in the slavsa, and then it, it ended up flaring back up through the ashes. Allah is, according to Rebchia, you're allowed to be saymich things next to it, you're allowed to put things next to the fire, and you're also allowed to, and you're allowed to also leave things on it before Shabbos, and also you're allowed to take things away from it and put it back on Shabbos. In other words, Rebchia is saying that you have something that you, you did the aspect of kitma, you did the aspect of actually putting the ashes on before Shabbos. Then the fire flared back up again as if it had never been kitma in the first place. Rebchia says once you did the process of kitma before Shabbos, you are permitted to treat it as if it was a fire that had been kitma, that had been ashes put on it. So the Gemara says, Shemamina, lismeichanami, kitma in, le kitma loy. It sounds like the only reason why you're permitted to be slamich, the reason why you're permitted to put it right next to the fire is because you did the action of, did the action of putting the ashes on the fire. But had you not done the action, it would not be permitted. So the Gemara says, and according to your reason, if, if that's true, that that's all it means to say, well, how do you understand the second part of this statement from Rebchia? Rebchia says, what, if you take it away from the fire, is that to say that when Rebchia said that if you take it away from the fire, the only way you're ever permitted to take it away from the fire is if you actually put ashes on it? That's clearly not true. Whether you put ashes on it or not, of course you're allowed to take it away from the fire. So just because he talks about a case of where there were ashes put on it, doesn't mean that it was necessary for the ashes to be put on it for all of the halachas that he's referring to. The same way it wasn't necessary for the ashes to be put on it to permit removing it from the fire, maybe it's not necessary to have ashes put on it to permit putting it next to the fire. Ella, Tana, Neutlin, Mishim Achzirin. Achanami, Tana, Semchen, Mishim So maybe what you'll say is like this. The reason why the Tana said Neutlin to take it off the fire in a case of Kitma where you put ashes on it, it's not because we needed to talk about Neutlin that it's only permitted once you put ashes on it. It's permitted even if you don't put ashes on it. But if you want to talk about a case where you return it to the fire, you also have to talk about a case where you take it off the fire. So once we're talking about a case of putting it back on the fire, it had to be a case where there was actually, was actually ashes were put on it. So we said a case of where you took it off a fire that ashes were put on it too. So maybe that's so. If that's so, maybe that's also true. That that's why we said a case of Soimchen. Why do we talk about a case of putting it next to a fire? We said it's only in a case where it was there are ashes put on it. It didn't actually have to be a case where there are ashes put on it. Could have been even in a case where there weren't ashes put on it. So why do we talk about this, <coughs> excuse me, in the context of ashes being put on it? We only need to talk about a case of ashes being put on it for the, the halacha of leaving something on the fire before Shabbos, literally on the fire. That's only going to be permitted if there's ashes put on it. And once we talk about that case, we also mention the case of Saimich as well. The Gemara says the obvious point. If you want to talk about a case of putting something back on the fire, then you have to talk about a case of where you took it off the fire. So by definition, if you're putting it back on the fire, you already took it off the fire. So the fact that we said, well, if you take something off the fire on Shabbos, that there was, it was um, ashes were put on the heat source, then you're permitted to put it back on the heat source. 
Well, yeah, because you can't take it off the fire in the first place unless there are ashes put on you, you could take it off the fire. You just can't put it back on the fire. By definition, you can't get to a case of putting it back on a fire unless you took it off a fire. But if you want to talk about a case of putting something on a fire before Shabbos, there's no reason to conflate the two and also talk about a case of where you, not just are you putting it on a fire before Shabbos, but you're putting it next to a fire before Shabbos. Why are you conflating the two? Just because you probably, when it comes to the case of putting it on the fire before Shabbos, there has to be ashes. If indeed it's not necessary to have ashes on the fire to permit you to put it next to the fire, then why do we put this case in there at all? So the Gemara says, so what's the answer to this question, right? So we haven't yet brought an answer. Are you permitted to leave something next to a fire either before Shabbos or to return something to a place where it's going to be next to a heat source on Shabbos, but not on top of the heat source? Tashima, the Gemara tries to bring another proof. You have a kira that was heated up with gefes or etzim, which is the wood or the leftover olives or sesame seeds. You're permitted to put something next to the fire. You're allowed to place it next to it, but you're not allowed to put it on top of it before Shabbos unless you have been garofukatum. You've either removed the coals or covered it with ashes. So we see from here that you are permitted to do it, even you are permitted to be saimech, to put it next to, even though you didn't do anything to the fire at all. Let's say you have kechalim, you have um, ashes, you have coals that are that are dying down. Or they're not dying down, but you put on it these a thin layer of um, flax. And what's going to happen is right now it's causing the fire to get temporarily um, lessened in heat, but then it's going to end up just burning through the flax and it'll end up getting hotter again. If you've done any of these actions, though, it's already considered as if you have covered it with ashes. You've done something to alter its normal process. And since you alter its normal process, chazal, we're no longer concerned that you'll come to stoke the fire because you're going to recognize that this is not your normal fire and it will remind you, oh, it's Shabbos. Let's say you put ashes on the fire, and then after you put ashes on the fire, it then got, it got re, uh, reestablished again as if there had not been nothing there in the first place. It says, you're permitted to leave on the fire before Shabbos, that was already fully, water that was fully heated up before Shabbos, or food that was fully cooked before Shabbos. Shmami, now we see from here. So the Gemara now is asking a question, a different point a little bit. Now the Gemara just switched topics to discuss in the opinion of the Chachamim. Rabbi Chananya, as we said before, once it's one-third cooked, it's considered to be fully cooked. We're no longer concerned that people will come to stoke it if it's left on the fire before Shabbos. We said the Chachamim, it needs to be fully cooked to take away the concern that someone will come to stoke it. On, before, if they leave it on the fire before Shabbos, it would have to be fully cooked Unless there's either there has to be some sort of a reminder or it has to be fully cooked before Shabbos or else we would be concerned that perhaps the person will come to stoke it on Shabbos. Let's say, according to the Chachamim, let's say it's fully cooked. However, the more you leave it on the fire, it actually changes the consistency and the texture and it still tastes better the more it's left on the fire. In other words, a challenge, right? It's a case of a challenge. Challenge is fully cooked after, let's say, 16 hours on low, right? But you leave it on the fire, it, it literally means to like shrink up, right? It causes it to get like a more concentrated flavor and it gets a little bit smaller and maybe it's not as pleasant to look at, but the, the flavor gets even richer. So it's fully cooked. It can be totally eaten. It's not one third cooked and only strange people eat it at this level. It's fully, fully cooked, but it will still taste even better if you leave it on the fire longer. What's the halacha? So the Gemara says, 
let's try to infer from the fact that it says as long as the food has been fully cooked, it's fine. You can leave it on the fire without any modification. Presumably, what this is teaching us is that in the case of where if we leave it on the fire longer, it will get more and more condensed and, and more flavorful, you're permitted to do that. Because the only thing that's not permitted according to the Chachamim, until you do a modification to the fire, the only thing that would not be permitted to leave on a fire before Shabbos, unless you did a modification, would be something that no longer, that something that is not cooked at all, something that's not fully cooked. But once it's fully cooked, it is permitted to do so, even if it's still going to taste better by leaving it on the fire. Or it says, Shani Hachano, maybe that case is different, the Kitma. I haven't seen the case over there. It's true. We're talking about a case where it ended up getting back to its original heat. But initially, there was covered with ashes. So maybe the reason why it's permitted to leave it there is because it was covered with ashes. So if it wasn't covered with ashes, then maybe it would not be permitted to leave on food that is already fully cooked, but will continue to get better in flavor if you leave it on longer. Umar says, Iachi, my remember. If we're talking about a case where it was, it was covered with ashes, then what's the chiddush that you're permitted to do this? If, of course, you're permitted to do this if it's covered with ashes. It's fully cooked. Where it says, I might have thought to say that the fact that it got it flared up again, maybe that itself is why I need to say that it's permitted to do so. Because I might have thought to say, I might have thought, since the fire flared up again, maybe it's going to go back to its original status. And its original status, it would not have been permitted to leave something on this fire unless it was fully cooked and maybe and maybe even metzamik varale, something that it's not just fully cooked, but if it cooks any further, it's actually going to be a, a, a detrimental to the, to the food. And maybe it's only permitted to leave food on a fire if it's going to be detrimental to the food if you leave it on the fire on a hot, you know, on a hot level. And therefore, nobody will ever come to smoke it because they don't want it to be any hotter. So maybe you're only permitted to leave it on a fire if it's metzamik varale. It's going to get better. It's going to get worse, not better. So the Gemara says in Kamash Mulan, and therefore we're trying to teach you that no, the fact that it, it, you covered it once with ashes and now it cleared up again, that already has changed its status enough that we're no longer going to be concerned for that it would only be permitted in stomach virale. But therefore, there will be no proof from this price at all. Because maybe, according to the Chachamim, they say that it has to be fully cooked. Not only does it have to be fully cooked or modified to allow leaving it on the fire before Shabbos, but if it's fully cooked, but yet it's still going to start getting better by leaving it on the fire longer, even so, they're going to still require you to put Ashes. There's no proof from here one way or the other. Amar Rabba Bar Barachana Amar Biechanan Kitma Vahuvra Mashmela Achaman Shochem Akol Sarchan says that if the fire was ashes were placed on the coals, then the fire flared up again. You are permitted <coughs> to leave on it coals that were fully not coals. I'm sorry, water that was fully cooked before Shabbos. The Tavshal Shabishla Kol Sarchan food that was fully cooked before Shabbos. Afilu Gachalm Shal Reisam. And even the Chalm Shal Reisim. Reisim is a type of wood that is incredibly hot wood when it's burning. Shemamina, we see from here, we see from here that once that you're permitted to leave food on the fire before Shabbos, as long as it's fully cooked. And you don't need to wait for it to be only a case of Mitzamak Virale, a case where it's actually going to get worse. Mara says, what are you talking about? Shani Hacha, the Kitma. That's, you can't bring a proof from there. That's a case where you put ashes on the fire. Since you put ashes on the fire, maybe that's why it's permitted to leave it on the fire, even if it's Mitzamak Virale even though it's going to still get better by leaving it on the fire for longer. But if you had not put ashes on the fire, maybe it would not be permitted to leave it on the fire if it's still going to get better from staying on a hot flame. Yachi, if that was so, I remember, what's the chiddush, right? If the case over here is a case, <coughs> if the case over here is a case where it's just regular covered with ashes, then what's the chiddush at all? What's, what's the novel thought? Where it says, we need it for the case of hovera. It's true you covered it with ashes, but then it flared up again. I might have thought to say, 
Why does it say that since it flares up again, we look at it as if it was never covered with ashes in the first place? Where it says, right? That's exactly what we just got finished saying in the previous right. So what's this new point? That's exactly what we just said. That if you covered something with fire, you covered coals with ashes, and it flares up again, you treat it as if it was covered with ashes. Well, if that's so, then why does Rabbi Yechida need to restate that? Rabbi already stated that. Mara says Rabbi Yechida needed to state it for the specific chiddush of Gecholim Shel Reisim For the case of Gecholim made out of this type of coals made out of a very hot wood, you might have thought that coals made out of very hot wood is a different halacha. And that once you covered it with ashes, it still doesn't change the status at all. Because coals made out of this type of Reisim wood get so, so hot that being covered with ashes has no difference at all. Therefore, you might have thought to say that, and that's why we need to say that, no, even Chalm Shal Reisim, if you cover it with ashes, it will still change its status, and Chazal will not be concerned that you will come to stoke the fire. Amar of Sheshis, Amar of Yechanan. Now, now we have another opinion. Sheshis says the name of Yechanan. Kira Shesikua Begefas Ve'esim. So basically, we're transitioning now from the Tanoyim world, in which they were having the stigma chlekes about what's permitted to leave on a fire before Shabbos, to the Amaroyim having arguments about these very questions as well, right? Because like we said, it's not going to be clear in the Amaroyim, it's not going to be clear in the Tanayim, and it's not even clear in the Rishonim, Machlekes Rishonim, or who do we pass from like Hananya or the Chachamim. So it goes throughout the ages. So Rosh says the name of Rebbechanam. You have a fire, a stove that was heated with either wood or with these olive and, um, and sesame seed residue. You are permitted to leave on it water that was not fully cooked, and food that was not fully cooked. But if you have picked it up off the fire, you're not, you don't, you're not allowed to put it back on Shabbos until you have either taken away the coals or you have placed ashes on the coals. So this is even if it's not fully cooked. So, so clearly, this is going to be following the opinion of Hananiah that as long as it's somewhat cooked, one third cooked, you're permitted to leave it on a fire, even though no modification was done to the fire at all. So if he holds like Hananya, then what is, how is he going to read the Mishnah? He's going to read the Mishnah, and the Mishnah is only talking about not permitted to return to the fire. But in terms of leaving something before Shabbos, you are permitted to leave something before Shabbos, as long as it's one third cooked, even without any modification done. Amar Rava, Rava says, what's our Shesh is coming to teach us? Both of these halachas were learned in Mishnayas. Where? We learned the idea of leaving something on a fire before Shabbos. We learned earlier in the Mishnah. Where? It says, You're not permitted to put bread into the oven walls by after Shkia. You're not permitted to put these coals on top of the, on top of, uh, not coals, the biscuits on top of coals. You're only permitted to do that right before Shabbos. We learned in the Mishnah, you're only permitted to do that if it will get crusted over before Shabbos begins. So So it sounds like that if, if, the, if, the, if the bread will be crusted over, then you would be permitted to leave it there before Shabbos without any modification done. Whose opinion could that be? That could only be the opinion of Hananya. Because according to the Chachamim, it wouldn't be enough to leave it in a place where, the, where it would get crusted over. Even getting crusted over is not sufficient according to the Chachamim. It has to be fully cooked before Shabbos. So what's Rosh Hashanah coming to teach us by saying, oh, this is the Halacha. There's a Mishnah that already st- stated it explicitly that that's the Halacha. And and also when it comes to returning something to the fire, his halacha that you are not permitted to return it unless you did garaf unless you indeed took away the coals or put ashes on the coals. That's also an explicit mishnah. Why? and say you're permitted to return it if there if there are coals if the coals were modified. So adkan loy But when the basel say you're permitted to return it only in the case where 
the coals were either removed or the coals were covered with ashes and permitted to return it. Alavish ain't a group of Ketuma, but whereas not either Garif or Katuma, not either covered with ashes or, or uh, removed the coals, Loibis, so will not permit you to return it. So what's Rosheshes coming to add? These are both explicit in Mishnayas. Rosheshes is coming to add that Mishnah does not say explicitly that Baisela only permits to return it in the case of Garif or Katim. It, it's pretty a pretty pretty decent uh, diak inference from the Mishnah. And that's what Rosh is coming to ensure that people recognize that that inference is correct. That Vesela only permits to return if the fire was either covered or removed. Amar Rav Shmuel bar Yehuda Amar Rav You have a kira that was heated up with either wood or with the uh, olive or sesame residue. You are permitted to leave on it a uh, cooked item that was fully cooked or a uh, water that was heated up fully. Now, and even if it is going to be even if by leaving it on the fire, it will continue to get to a nicer texture or a nicer, uh, more flavorful uh, food without any modification done to the fire, still permitted to do that. The, one of the Chachamim asked, Rav and Shmuel said that to leave something on a fire that's going to continue cooking is forbidden to do so if it's going to continue fully cooked already, but it's, as it cooks longer, it's going to turn into like a more of a flavorful condensed food. You're also not permitted to do so. So this seems to be an argument. You think I don't know that that is certainly an accepted opinion that is still forbidden? When did I say this to Rabbi Yechanan? I was only talking about the opinion of Rabbi Yechanan. That according to Rabbi Yechanan, Mestamek V'yafalei is mutter. But according to others, Mestamek V'yafalei is still forbidden, right? So basically what we have over here is you have Mechananya's position is that if it's one-third cooked, you're good to go before Shabbos. Then there's the Machlekes in the position of the Chachamim, right? Who are going in the position of Beis Hillel. When you're permitted to leave something on a fire when it's, once it's fully cooked, is that true only when it's fully cooked and it's the further cooking process is going to be detrimental? Or is it even true when it's fully cooked and further cooking process is actually still beneficial, you're still permitted to do so. That's a machleka samarayim, how far the chachamim go by saying what you're not permitted to leave on a fire before Shabbos. You're only not permitted to leave on a fire before Shabbos, something that's actually mitzamek, the yafalai, the, um, or are you even permitted to, or are you permitted to leave on a fire? Anything that is fully cooked, you're permitted to leave on a fire without having to worry about will the further cooking actually affect it in a beneficial way. That's like a samurai in the position of the Chacham. So, Amar Le Rav Okva, Rav Okva says, Memeshan Le Rav Ashi, Atun Demekarvisu Le Rav Shmuel, says to Rav Ashi, you were close to Rav and Shmuel, Abidu Rav Shmuel, that you're in the place of Rav and Shmuel, you should go like the position of Rav and Shmuel. And now, Nabek Rav Yechanan. However, us, we're going to go like the position of Rav Yechanan. You're permitted to leave it on the fire. What are you permitted to do? Yehuda would leave it on the fire before Shabbos and eat it. You can't really derive anything from the position of Yehuda. Says for him, since he was somewhat ill, he had to have hot food on Shabbos. So for him, it's very different. He would even be permitted to heat up food on Shabbos for himself. So to talk about leaving it on a fire in a not ideal way, of course that's permitted for a Yehuda. But what about for me and you? Leave a lach. Leave a lach, my. What about you and I? What are we permitted to leave on the fire before Shabbos? Amalei Batsura, Mashu. He says in Surah, they, they actually would leave food on the fire before Shabbos. 
once it is um once it is uh, one third cooked, they will leave it on the fire before Shabbos. The Rav Nachman Yitzchak, Mare of the Ava. Nachman Yitzchak was the master of the matter. Another Nachman Yitzchak was in charge of things. And Mashule Fachel, and he he would leave they would leave food on the fire for him, and he would eat it. Amravashi Kamina Kamei Rav Huna, Mishal Lekisa Daharsano. Said I was by Rev Huna, and I saw that they left on the fire some sort of fish stew before Shabbos Fachel, and he would eat it. And I didn't know I didn't know if his position was that is permitted, that the type of food that will get condensed and shrivel up and, and still and will taste better with that type of process is permitted to leave on the fire without any modification. Or maybe this is different. Maybe this is not your typical case of because maybe fish do has some sort of thickening agent, has flour as a thickening agent. And maybe the flour. When you have flour there as a thickening agent, then the, the, the further cooking, once it gets fully cooked, the further cooking process of shriveling up, maybe that's actually not beneficial. Maybe that's detrimental. And therefore, it's mitzvah virale, and it's not good for it at the end of the day. Who? Amar Rav Nachman. Nachman says, mitzvah virale, aser, mitzvah virale, mutter. Nachman says that something which is mitzvah virale, which is going to continue cooking in a beneficial way, even though it's fully cooked, but the more it stays there, the better it's going to get. It is forbidden to leave that on the fire without any modification. However, if it's going to end up, it will be detrimental for it to be cooked any further, then indeed it is permitted to do so. Remember, this whole conversation is only occurring in the Chacham. Because according to Hananya, once it's one-third cooked, you're permitted to leave it on there without any modification. Only in the Chacham would say that it's not permitted to leave it there without any modification until it's fully cooked. Can there be another conversation? Well, do we differentiate between the type of food that it still gets even better after, it, after it's been left there fully cooked? Or we're talking about only the type of food that doesn't get any better at all and actually starts getting worse the more you leave it there. So, Kolo de Milsa, the principle of the matter is like this. Kolo de Isfei Micha, anything that has flour in it, once it gets fully cooked, any further cooking is not going to be good for it. To leave, to leave it in a place where it's going to stay warm, that's good. But to leave it in a place where it's going to continue cooking, it's too hot, that will not be good for it. And therefore, it would be permitted to leave it on top of a fire if it has flour in it. Um, However, a, a, some sort of turnip dish that has flour in it, for some reason, that actually is still considered to be mitzvamik v'yafaleh. Even though it has flour in it, mitzvamik v'yafaleh. It's still in the, considered to be something which is going to, the further it cooks, the better it is for the end process. But that's only true if it's a turnip dish with meat and with flour. But if it's a turnip dish with flour but without meat, it's not going to be good for it to stay on the fire once it's fully cooked in a way that's going to still be cooking. And therefore, once again, there's no concern that you'll come to stoke it because nobody's going to come to stoke it because it's not good for it. And even if it has meat on it, we only say that if you don't need it for guests, if you're not planning on having guests come over. But if you're planning on having guests come over, the further cooking process is not actually considered beneficial. Why? Because sometimes you have a food that it gets shriveled up, it doesn't look good anymore, but it actually is incredibly flavorful and it tastes really good. So if you're having guests, you want to, you care about the presentation as well, and you don't want to serve them something that doesn't look good, even if it tastes good. So if you're planning on having guests, even if you have all three of these requirements, it's a turnip dish with flour and meat, but you're having guests, it's going to be in the category of a stomach, the rally, and you don't have to be concerned and you leave it on the fire. But if you're not planning on having guests and you're having a turnip, flour, meat dish, you actually have to be concerned, even if it's fully cooked, or Shabbos, and you can only leave it on the fire if it is 
<coughs> if it is a fire that has been modified before Shabbos. Lifta dice of a tamri, there's some sort of dish with either um, figs, uh, dice of some sort of porridge, we learned about it in Brachas, the tamri, or a dish made out of dates, mitzamek v'ralahen. Those are all categories of mitzamek v'ralahen, of food which once it gets cooked, it is no longer beneficial at all, and nobody wants to leave it on a fire to continue cooking, rather they want to leave it on a fire to only stay warm, and therefore there's not going to be a concern of shama yechata, that you might come to stoke the fire. <coughs>